Welcome to another edition of the Cood Street Advent Calendar. I'm Gary Wolf, and during this holiday season, Jonathan Strawn and I have been recording, foolishly, a podcast a day with the authors of some of our favorite books from 2022. And today, I'm delighted to have Elizabeth Hand. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Gary. So happy to be here. And I'm happy to be able to recommend... Okay, I, I want to make sure I don't get this right. Hokaloa Road? Hokaloa Road? I... It's Hokuloa Road. Okay. Hokuloa Road. I had to, it took me a really long time. Now it, it doesn't exactly trip off my tongue, but I can say it. Hokuloa Road. <laughs> okay. Is, is, is that a real Hawaiian word, I assume? Hokuloa is, yes. It, it's okay. the word, the Hawaiian word for Venus, the planet Venus in its aspect as the morning star. So okay. that, that's Hokuloa. So when you see Venus well, uh, rising in the morning, that's Hokuloa. So it's vaguely like Lucifer in some ways. Lucifer well, morning yeah. star. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Except Hawaii. Well, I'm not going to try to... Uh, th- this is a book which uh, sort of gallops through several different genres. It's a murder mystery. It's kind of a... I won't describe it, though. I will ask you to briefly describe Hokuloa Road to, uh, to our listeners. Well, it's a um, a novel set in Hawaii, set, set on Maui, although I don't mm-hmm. name it as Maui, but anybody who lives on Maui or, or knows it well will recognize it. Um, and mm-hmm. it's about the protagonist is a young man, a, a, a carpenter from Maine who is out of work during the pandemic. The, uh, the book is set in the summer of 2020, and he, ta- he gets a job, uh, uh, as a caretaker for um, a tech billionaire, is there any other kind mm. who has a big uh, has a place on Maui, which there are actually a number of people who do, and so mm-hmm. he goes out there to take the job, and hijinks ensue. He he finds that there's a lot <laughs> of things. The book deals with a lot of um, cultural and social issues and real life um, uh, problems that exist on in, on Maui and other the Hawaiian islands, like uh, homelessness and missing people, and um, uh-huh. you know a lot of the issues that we face on the mainland. But when you're on a small island, everything is um, much more impactful. And of course, during the pandemic mm. i i was there for some time at, at this time and um th- you know there were no visitors to the island so mm-hmm. on an average day when you would have 30 some thousand people arriving you had you know 12 so it was a very strange surreal experience to be there and that informs the experience of gary i'm sorry of gary of grady <laughs> the protagonist <laughs> little freud didn't slip there <laughs> it's, so, I, I would uh, take that job in a minute. I mean, but 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 from the beginning, it's there, there's a uh, I I enjoyed. I now now I'm thinking of myself. Would I have taken this job? Because the first chapter, uh, there's this. You're right. He's an unemployed uh, carpenter who's not getting much work because of the pandemic, and the job is suspiciously easy to get. Um, so <laughs> right right off from the first chapter, we're involved with a certain amount of suspense. Um, and and then of course he meets a girl on the plane, so it looks like it's going to turn into a romance. But then she's off stage for like almost the rest of the novel. I'm not giving anything away, am I? I'm no, terrible about talking. Yeah, she's no. Uh, she she goes missing. You can find that out just by reading the flat right. copy. She 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 goes. There's a lot of missing people um, on Maui. A lot of people yeah. go missing. The first the, my daughter has lived there for the last eight or nine years, and the first time I went to visit her. 
we pass this building, which is in the book. Um, it's this old abandoned building in what used to be an airfield. And uh, the, the building is covered with the names of people. And I asked wow. Callie, I said, what, what is that building? And, she's, and I said, well, what are all those names? And she said, those are the names of all the missing. And I said, those are the people who've gone missing, like what, this year? And she said, well, a lot of them, but from other years too. And they just, they paint the names of, of the missing people uh, that disappeared. And the uh, authorities come and paint it all, all over again. And then the names reappear. So, um, and actually the last time I was mm. there, um, they had painted it over and the, the names had not come back. But previously, every time I'd been there, the, the names of the missing. Well, one of the things that people should, that, that your loyal readers, you've got lots of different kinds of loyal readers now because between <laughs> Cass Neary and, but the fantasy readers should be reassured that there's some, is it safe to say that Hawaiian folkloristic creatures show up? Yes, yes, there is, there is a Hawaiian uh, folkloric creature shows up. That's, of course, it must. It's, you know, I, I mean, it's a book by me. I wanted well, to. Well, I mean, listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen. It's, it's yeah. It's, it's something sort of like a, I visualize it as sort of a Hawaiian windigo. Um, I forget what it's called, but um, at the beginning of the novel, though, one of the things that struck me, and not reading a lot of novels about Hawaii, but seeing a few movies. Is that it's the the island you describe is beautiful but not glamorous. Uh, in fact, it's a lot of the community around uh, this uh, this estate where he eventually ends up is is kind of seedy and worn down. And I, for a few pages, I was thinking this is really beautiful, but in another sense, this is like welcome to Elmore Leonard's Hawaii. These people are unemployed and depressed, and there's a, a lot of kind of uh, sadness about uh, that community, which. Uh, may or may not have had much to do with the pandemic itself, but but then it becomes a, a, a more of a suspense story, and it's very suspenseful uh, as we find out well, what's really you. going on. Well, it's also it's a I, I hope it's a more realistic depiction of um, you know Maui in some ways than what people see because it's it's a very it, uh, I, I'm a, a Howley, I'm somebody from away, um, but I've spent uh -huh. enough time there. And I'm not staying, you know, I'm not staying in a resort hotel. I'm I'm staying with my right. my daughter and her husband who have a, a house in a kind of a blue collar working class area. And, um, you know, that there are, um, there's a lot of economic disparity there, you know, and, the, and most people yeah. who go to Hawaii, all they see is, is the resorts. And um, th this was not the Hawaii I was seeing. This was not the Maui right. I saw when I went there. They, you know, these were not the people I was hanging out with. I was hanging out with people who lived there and um, and worked there. So it's a, a very different place, although it's very, very beautiful. Um, but it's also been very yeah. devastated by tourism. It's been, you know, quite... Um, uh, destroyed by the, the, you know, it's like the goose that lays the golden eggs. The thing that everybody, right, exactly. you know, gets makes the money from is what's destroying it. And during the pandemic, the islands, the archipelago, kind of had a chance to bounce back a bit. And so a lot of the people who live there decided that they didn't necessarily want to, you know, open the gates, the floodgates, up to tour, the tourists again. Mm -hmm. That they wanted to regulate it more. So that that's a good thing that came out, out of the pandemic. It probably is, yeah. And there, I think there are some islands that don't even want tourists. I've heard that Molokai doesn't like tourists. Uh, oh yeah, and, well, and it's it's like in Maine. There, you know, there was a yeah. lot of similarities between there and Maine that I found over the years. You know, we don't necessarily like tourists here either. 
<laughs> we do. We do. I'm only kidding, but. Okay. Well, let's go on to they one of the other right. questions. We've, we promised everybody. One of, one of the questions we want to get to is what have you been reading lately? What have I been reading lately? Well, I'm reading right at the moment. I'm reading a, a wonderful collection of short stories called Night of the Living Res by Morgan Talty, who oh. is an indigenous writer from Maine who's gotten a huge amount of attention with this um, this book. Many, many awards, uh, all the best, you know, year's best list. It's not a, um, not a genre novel. Uh -huh. uh, he went to Morgan ha by chance happened to go to the uh, MFA program where I um, teach. He was not a student of mine, but um, mm -hmm. I have heard him read there before. Anyway, this is his first book and it's fantastic. It's great. Um, a really great. brilliant collection of stories. Yeah. And it's new. It just came out. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I, oh, I read, I, read and reviewed for the Washington Post, Catherine Dunn's posthumous novel, Toad, posthumously uh -huh. published novel, Toad, which I really loved. I thought that was really quite a, a poignant book. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's one of, this is one of the questions that always kind of hits me upside the head. Well, don't worry about it. I mean, uh, because the, <laughs> the other question, the, the next question is even worse. The next question, but I've already got an answer for you. <laughs> is this is a, we're calling this an advent calendar it's a seasonal thing it's not a religious thing but are there seasonal books that you either come back to that you return to or that you recommend to other people and if you don't have an answer to that go ahead oh no i do have an answer to that <laughs> okay good that, that's that's a good that's a good question gary well i <laughs> often return to dickens and a christmas carol a christmas carol which mm -hmm. i i still think it's just such a brilliant and creepy and beautiful book. But um, yeah, Susan Cooper, The Dark is Rising. That's one of those books that I can mm -hmm. just um, re reread. Oh, I, not every year, but every few years. Um, and I I think I reread it a year or two ago, and it, it, it's great. And then um, John and I were just watching last night a little bit of a, a BBC um, production of The Box of Delights from the early 1980s, John Maysfield. Mm -hmm which is a book, a Christmas, it's a Christmas book. It's a fantasy. Yeah. Um, and it's really quite, um, it's quite wonderful. Uh, you know, it, it sort of has its, I don't know, it has its dated quality in some parts, but you could, there, it mm -hmm. actually must've been a big, uh, had some influence on Susan Cooper and the dark is rising. And if you read I it, you'll, you'll see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, I'm going to take the opportunity. I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity to to recommend one since I don't talk to a lot of writers who have Christmas stories. But Chip Crockett's Christmas Carol is kind of a <laughs> classic for people of my generation. Anybody who remembers television uh, from the '50s, I think, uh, would would certainly identify with a lot of what goes on there. And it's it's been. Uh, I, I know it was issued as a separate uh, booklet by um, in, in England, and it's in one or two of your collection. It's in the best of Elizabeth Hand. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's in it's in the best of, and I think it's also in, I don't know, maybe it's just in the best of and the Beckon. It, it was, a, it was I think, 20 years, 22 years ago. It was, um, it came out, it came out long enough ago. It was serialized on sci-fi.com in four parts. Uh -huh. okay. As a, a, it was a Christmas serial, and it came out one part each week um, during December. And uh, then um, eventually, I, I can't remember if it was in Bibliomancy or not, but it was published uh, with illustrations mm. by D Judith Clute by yes. Beckon Press in the UK in a limited edition. 
and um it and it is in another edition too but I, or another collection but i i can't recall what anyway well, but thank I you will... yeah that's very close to my heart that story <laughs> it, it 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 feels that way it feels very close speaking of what's close to your heart i'm hoping that whatever you're writing next is close to your heart because that always makes it easier <laughs> yeah well i'm working on um and it is it's uh a um follow on to shirley jackson's the haunting of hill house that i'm doing with uh-huh. the support and uh authorization of shirley jackson's estate her family um has uh authorized me to do this mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's called and it's called A Haunting on the Hill. It'll be out next year and it's really yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been very weird because I've been basically living inside of Hill House for some months now. I'm doing the final uh-huh. revisions um in the final revision process even as we speak, well not even as we speak, but almost as we we speak. Um when I get back to the cottage tomorrow, I'll be back into it. But yeah, so that's cool because um you know, spending all this time thinking about Shirley Jackson and Hill House. And today I was actually part of a an online symposium through Trinity College mm-hmm. Dublin on Shirley Jackson in the 21st century with her her um, family members, her two of her children and two of her grandchildren, and then a whole bunch of other people talking about Shirley Jackson. Faye Ringel was there and mm-hmm. Ellen Datlow and Paul oh, yeah. Tremblay and uh, Kevin uh, Consarpropine. Dara Downey. Anyway, it was great. It was it was a good. It's got to be a. a it's got to be an honor that the the family would 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 choose you. I remember, um, I remember one one year at ReaderCon, her daughter was there, uh, as I yeah, recall. Yeah. I mean, so, and and she was at that time very unhappy with the biography that had just been published. Um, and there and there was and then there was this weird TV series a few months ago. Uh, with Elizabeth Moss as Shirley Jackson. Oh yeah, Peg Jackson. Yeah, seemed to miss. I mean, it's it's it seemed odd to me. I guess it seemed to miss the point of a lot of things. Um, yeah, but nevertheless, I seen that, Jack. So. It's um, it, it 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 took very easy pot shots at her husband, who of course was a problematic academic, Stanley Edgar Hyman, uh, and a problematic guy, I gather. But still, um, I'm glad to see that she's become kind of. Uh, not the canonized is not the right word. She's become her own thing. She's become a kind of uh, genre unto herself, which is not quite horror, not quite gothic. I suppose it was published as her stuff was published as gothic when when it appeared fifty seventy years ago. But uh, congratulations on that. Yeah, it's, thank you. It's it's really a, it. it's an exciting project, and it's you know it's definitely an honor. Uh, I mean, I grew up. I started reading her work when I was about seven, uh, and Wow. So she's just like all tied into my literary DNA. So, yeah. So it's it's cool, and it and it was great today to um to hear uh, her son Lawrence, who I've met via Zoom. We we have talked a uh-huh. lot um, while we were developing this project, and then her other son Barry were there, and then uh, Gretchen and um, Miles, who I think are both Lawrence's adult mm-hmm. children. And uh, I mean, an incredibly creative family everybody who was there today the four family members are all involved in the arts in one way or another so uh yeah very interesting really really interesting um to listen to them talk about about shirley i wish those talks those conversations were available somewhere to watch because i'm fascinated yeah yeah they they, it was through like i said through trinity uh, college dublin and i think Uh the long room 
Um, and yeah, I'll post it on Facebook and you know Great. social media when when they're available. But they recorded them all. I think it was about three hours altogether of, of um, conversations. So, but yeah, the stuff with Shirley Jackson's family was really was was top notch. Are we going to see more Castaneri in the next couple of years? I hope so. I'm kind of, I've been sort of holding off on writing another novel because it, it's um, the books starting with Generation Loss are being developed for a TV series um, in the UK through Sky TV. And huh. uh, I, I'm kind of waiting for that to get greenlit because I feel like at that point there'll be, you know, more of a, an audience for it and um yeah you know we could get a bigger push from the publisher and everything else so yeah but i i do have um originally had at least i had two more books in the series that i could write and i ended it mm -hmm. you know with the fourth book in a way that i thought all right if i don't write another book i'm okay with it to end there but but i have a you know i know where it goes from there so yeah we'll, we'll see well i've kept you longer than i said i would so I want to say well, it's always so great to see you, Gary, and talk. Great and, to yeah. chat. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Our guest has been Elizabeth Hand, and uh, uh, we'll be talking again soon, I hope. And until then, this is. I hope Good so, Street too. Podcast. Okay. Thanks, Bye. Gary. Bye.